And welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my stuff at joehaggerty.substack.com. If you join up for a premium membership, you can get all of my stuff sent to your inbox fully so you can read everything. If you don't join the premium membership, you only get a couple paragraphs and it gets kind of frustrating after a while. So join. Uh, we get the premium membership, but you can read all of the, my thoughts and analysis on the Boston Bruins. Happy to have New England Hockey Journal's Evan Marinovsky with me today. Uh, Evan is uh, going to jump on and answer some questions, talk about that first Bruins game that we saw this year. But first, uh, I want to give a couple of quick shout-outs. FanDuel Sportsbook, as always, uh, partner, sponsor. We love them. Uh, $200 in bonus bets right now, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get in on all the NFL action and now the NHL action, now that the NHL season has started. All the more reason to start spending some money over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, and the, the other one uh, we want to give love to, obviously, is Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Uh, healthy meals ready in two minutes, chef prepared. My wife loves them. Uh, even when they're like Indian butter chicken, which I, I'm not sure I was going to like it before it came. It was delicious. I liked it. So uh, get onto the Factor Meals bandwagon. Uh, but now, Evan, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for being here. And just... Quickly, uh, let me know uh, right out of the gate what you thought about that first game against the Blackhawks. Initial knee-jerk reactions. Yeah, I, my knee-jerk reaction was I think it's sort of what we expected, right? Uh, they're, you know, Montgomery put it best after the game. Played average. Uh, I didn't think it was their best performance. Obviously, it was another first Very game. average. Very <laughs> average. It's true. He did it's say just very how average. average they were. Yes. Is, is it possible to be very average? Isn't average just <laughs> average at, at some yeah. level? Um but you know, I was my knee. My, you know, my knee jerk reaction was, uh, you know, the bottom six looked real good. Top six was a okay to start. Didn't notice them as much as the game went on. Um, and defense and goaltending sort of won you that game, which is what I expect to see out of to see more out of them this year. So um, nothing. I mean, we'll get into same, like you know, Patra was a bright spot. I thought Lauko was outstanding. Yep. Um, but you know, I wasn't blown away. Uh, also, the Blackhawks are the Blackhawks. I mean, outside of Bedard, that is a barren roster. There is not much going on there. I mean, um, you know, they got a couple guys. Like Seth Jones is a good defenseman. Bedard obviously brings a lot. I've always liked a fantasy you. You know, they've got some young defensemen that I think are up and coming. So they're not last year's Blackhawks. But to your point. You know, they're, they're not – I don't even know if they're going to be a playoff. They, Bedard's going to have to be pretty outstanding every single night, I think, for them to be a playoff team. Yeah, I don't think – I don't have them as a playoff team. I think they're still far away. I think in net, you know, um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of what they're – you know, what they have there. Again, they're rebuilding. Yeah. So, you know, you can't expect anything crazy. Um, I agree. Seth Jones just paid a lot, and I think that sort of clouded my, my judgment on him. Is just, yep. you know, he's paid so much. Used You know, looked like he was going to be a – you know, elite, elite defender in the league. He's, he's solid, but I obviously not, I don't think worth the money that they ended up giving him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have Bedard somewhere around 70 to 80 points in his first year. I think yep. he just, he's their main guy. Po- first power play, um, you know, number one center, like they have thrust him in this role and through the two games they, that, you know, they played, uh, at the time of recording, like he, he does it all, and yeah. he's so smart, and he always has the puck on his stick. He's generating and a lot of offense. He's getting a lot exactly. of shots on net, making a lot of things happen. Like, he looks like he's the real deal. The question is, you know, is he going to be like uh, the other guys that, 
kind of face of the NHL franchise where they didn't really get a lot of peaks and valleys in that first year, like Sidney Crosby, McDavid, those guys were all pretty strong. McDavid maybe a little bit physically had a, a little bit of a hard time that first year, but for the most part, those guys didn't were Didn't he get injured? He yes. got injured his first year. He did. So the, 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 for the most part, those guys have been studs right out of the gate, and it'll be interesting to see if um, if if Connor Bedard is that exact kind of guy too. But uh, to your point, there's definitely some a few things we'll go through uh, with that three to one win. Very solid. Um, Milan Lucic was one of the ones that I noticed right off the gate. And the fourth line, to your point, Jacob Lauko, I thought was outstanding. I agreed, too. I think that whole fourth line was really good. I thought Johnny Beecher was excellent. Lauko was excellent. Milan Lucic was really good. Uh, they got the first starting uh, nod from Jim Montgomery. They were uh, got that first shift of the game. They almost scored. Uh, and they brought energy right away. And, you know, Lucic is obviously not going to be the fastest skater out there. I think there's going to be times where it looks like he's sort of lagging behind the action or playing catch-up a little bit. But, like... You know, he he's a very underrated passer. He's a very underrated guy as far as setting things up offensively when he gets in the right spot. Uh, it was a great pass that he made to Pasternak that Pasternak scored on. Hit him at the perfect place in transition, allowed him to go in and shoot. And, you know, it's kind of similar to um, the setup pass he had uh, for Mason Lowry's goal in the preseason. Again, mm. an extremely smart pass, uh, a veteran move, whereas – I think his hands and his vision are sometimes underrated where he can make think, make plays happen out there. Um, but the physicality was there too. I think he brought a little bit of that. Obviously, it was a great moment in intro, introductions when he got a, an extended ovation and got a kind of emotional and was, you know, parting his heart, just basically saying, you know, showing them back the love, the fans. All that was great. Uh, and it, you, One thing, though, I want to touch on Lucci. You mentioned ahead. the vision, and it's interesting because the two plays you mentioned, Lowry's goal in the preseason and Pasternak's goal in the first game on Wednesday night, come off the rush. Yep. Like, that requires, you know, it, at least being able to handle the speed, which he was able to do in those situations. And just yep. to add to that, like, I just, you know, you see the flashes of that former top six forward who – with his big body, he's able to protect the puck so well, uh, you know, when they're, when they're doing the cycle game and, you yep. know, when they have it set up in the offensive zone, that he's able to keep it away from defenders and, heads up, able to find a guy uh, to pass it to. So I agree. I mean, his playmaking's terrific. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers Get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call one 800 GAM one two three four, and Beecher and and Patra uh, both I think strong in their debuts. Beecher looked like he belonged on the fourth line. 
the fourth line in general had a strong night. Uh, he had a couple of chances. He had that play where I uh, threw a, a bad hit from behind a, a boarding penalty, and then he dropped the gloves and, and he and he fought Dickinson, uh, who's a you know a pretty tough kid, uh, and held his own. And you know played the energy game, which is exactly what's going to be required of him. It's what they want to see out of him, uh, kind of sort of getting rid of the airs of being a former first-round pick and a U.S. national development program kid and a kid for, that went to Michigan and, you know, a guy that instead of all that stuff on his resume is going to get his, his hands dirty when he has to and is going to play the energy game that they need and, and play the details game, killing penalties, winning face-offs, all that stuff um, that he was doing in that first game. So he was impressive, and Patra obviously – I thought was really good too um, and, and continues to look like I think he's going to stick around. I'd be really surprised. Uh, and I think the Bruins are going to have to see something drastic here uh, in the nine games to decide not to keep him around because he's kind of, you know, miraculously turned into this exact thing that they needed at the exact right time. You know, like right when Bergeron and Krejci were retiring, they needed somebody to like drop down from the heavens and be like that center of the future and that guy that they may even during the season be able to push up uh, into the top two lines uh, if he continues to show that he can handle things. Uh, but they needed somebody like that, and he has come out of nowhere and, and been that guy. So, like, there's, I, I think as far as the young players go and the way they performed the first game against the Blackhawks, it's exactly what you wanted to see. The real challenge now and the question now is, can they keep it up night in, night out? And that for every young player, it's the same. Can they consistently bring what they're bringing now through the course of a season when they're playing back-to-backs, when they're traveling, you know, they're going out to the West Coast uh, next week. That's going to be a challenge as well. Can they can they play the same way through all that stuff? Part of why I think that – part of why I think Patra's up here for good is he opens up so many options in the yeah. lineup. Because, um, yeah. you know, come into the season, I think we were all like, okay, you know, Montgomery had said, you know, even prior to the preseason, you know, it's probably going to be Zaka Coyle down the middle. And then, you know, we, we kind of all speculated probably Geeky is the third-line center and then it's a battle for the fourth-line center spot. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, with Patra in the mix, you know, my guess is in these next eight games of Patra's stint here or sort of the trial test run, you'll see him in the top six at some point. I think he should get up into the top six. I want to yeah. see him with Marchand and DeBrusque or however you want to kind of uh, finagle those lines. But then that allows you to put Coyle as the 3C and be a strong matchup uh, dominator down there. Uh, yep. It puts Geeky on the wing. Now, you could argue Geeky's a little slower than most, maybe that's bet. Maybe he's better down the middle. You can try that out if you really want to. But again, yep. it gives you that option of trying these guys around. You got Beecher on the fourth line there, um, and if you even wanted to kind of shake things up in the, you know, if James Van Riemsdyk, let's say, doesn't fit uh, these next couple games in the top six, and you know, again, we're all kind of waiting to see if that's going to work out or not. Um, you could always put a coil on the wing if you really wanted to. Yep. Um, and, th- and again, because Patra allows you to do that. Without Patra in the equation, that doesn't really happen. So uh, that's why I, I don't see, I, again, throughout the whole preseason hags, all I kept saying was you send him back to the OHL. It's good that yeah. he's doing this, but he needs some more time. But over the course of the preseason games, you know, his game of intelligence, uh, high skill, you know, um, good on the details. Tenacity too. Like he wins battles. Yeah. He goes to the areas he needs to go to uh, in the high danger area. And he also has some like elusiveness to him where he doesn't take big hits either. And he kind of can avoid those. You know, he seems to have that thing, you know, where he can, he can go where he needs to go in the danger areas and not get squashed when he goes in there too often, which is, it, 
if you're his size and his age, you absolutely have to have that. So like, yeah, that's important. And, to, and he's showing and, that. And to be, and you have to have that because it's 82 games. Right. Like if, they, if you're getting walloped in game 11 of the season, you know, you're right. not playing a full season, but I just, to me, like we've, again, it's the, we've seen the preseason games. We've seen one game against the Blackhawks so far. He's a pro. Like that's a pro center. And yeah with top six upside. And I think, as you said, they needed a blessing. They needed something. Um, and he seems to, at least right now, be sort of that thing. Yeah. And, and the other part of that is too, like in part of the equation of like, do you send him back to golf and the OHL is he had 95 points in that league last year, Yeah, you know, playing for that team. Like he was pretty dominant last year. Like how much more is he going to develop if you're sending him back down there and he's just going to like toss up another hundred points? Like, yes, you could say maybe, you know, he only I think had 16 goals for golf. So like maybe he could have worked on his own, you know, offense and scoring a little bit more, whatever. But like if you're putting up 95 points in the O, like at that point, you're getting pretty close to like being ready for pro hockey. Like I, I don't know how much more he had to prove going back there. And in and, and, and that respect, I think being here and the fact that he belongs here and he shows he can play here, it's going to be better for his development and it's going to fast forward it more rather than send him to a place where he was just going to dominate again for another season. So like, yeah, my, my thinking on sending him back was more so you couldn't send him to Providence. Right. Has there ever been a player more like where Providence would have been the perfect fit for at the beginning of the preseason? Like when, yeah. when before games have been played, it was like, that's a guy who should be in Providence can't be in Providence. And my whole thinking was, okay, you sort of have your guys at the NHL level. Let Zaka and Coyle be top six centers for a year. See how it goes. Potro will come in next year fully ready. Now, you also have to take into consideration, and, and you hit this, had a lot of points last year. You don't want him to get, not that he would get, because I don't think it's in his makeup to be like this, but no. bad habits start to form yeah. when you start to play inferior competition and things like that. So um, as the preseason went along and those that – last stretch of games like two weeks ago took place the back-to-back and then the game in new york once he was pretty clear back i think they were convinced like once he looked good in the second night of a back-to-back and he showed some legs and he scored a goal in the third period i think that was all they need that i think that was a direct test to see if he could handle the nhl schedule and any path once he did that i think their minds were kind of like all right this kid this kid's showing he's he belongs we've thrown every roadblock in front of him and he's just hopped over them um, so, it, you know, Potra looked good. Beecher looked good. Uh, Allmark, I thought, looked solid. And I was wondering about him and how he was going to respond and look coming off the playoffs last year. And, you know, I thought he would probably end up looking like himself. And I think regular season, he's kind of got it figured out. And, you know, I, I worry or I'm concerned or have questions still about the postseason but with him and Swayman. But, you know, I wanted to make sure he was going to look like the calm, cool, positional guy that was making all the stops he needed to make that wasn't this frenetic like you know too much activity in the crease like he was in the playoffs like taking himself out of plays and you know creating bad goals because he was way too overreactive like he was right back to himself in that game against Chicago which I took as a very good sign as well you know because the goaltending is going to be so important to this team's success this year yeah goaltending and defense are the kind of the bedrock of this group I you know it's funny I thought he was fine um there was one or two saves that again it's first game of the regular season with Cole yeah. it's hard to judge off of that like you know I think what did he get one game in the preseason like it I don't yeah. think he got that many um it's still early there were a few that I was like oh you know there was one off a rush I forget who shot it from Chicago but it just I think it might have been Bedard it just kind of like was kind of under Olmark and he fell back on it and you go, okay but 
Um, I, look, I, I've been, you know, I think he is obviously, no one's projecting him to be the exact same goalie he was last year when he won the Vesna and was the best regular season goalie that led the best regular season team ever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, it would not shock me if Swayman sort of passed him this year. Yeah, um, again, I've said that on the podcast. So I think the sa- you and I are on the same page with that. I think that may happen. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that's a testament to Olmark not being good. I think it's just yeah. sort of the way it works, the way Swayman's development is heading. Um, and, you know, again, there was, you know, the stuff in the offseason with, with Olmark and whether or not he'd be traded or this or that. Um, and, you know, you sort of wonder how that plays into his game this year. But, again, through one game, got them the win, looked fairly solid doing it. Again, it's hard to judge goalies off their first couple games in the regular season yeah. because it's, you know, it's not prime time for them. But, yeah, I agree with you on that. And and just overall, um, I think they all shot Chicago like 34 to 21, something like that. I, I Just in general, I think they were outshot in every single preseason game, the Bruins. So I had a little bit of concern just about puck possession, the centers, like the whole picture of what it was going to look like when the regular season started, but I also had the caveat of, you know, guys like Martian and Pasternak were clearly going through preseason motions during the preseason. And the guys that, you know, knew they were going to be on the team were not going at full speed. So like just to see it all in action on Wednesday night, I liked what I saw and I was encouraged by what I saw that we're going to continue to see a team that's going to win, you know, plenty of games, put themselves in a good playoff position is not going to beat themselves and is going to be able to, you know, uh, rely on the defense and goaltending and the, the occasional offense to win, even if, uh, you know, the power play, I didn't think it was great uh, against Chicago. Yeah. And the top two lines are still figuring out. As they're, they're sort of still figuring those things out, I think they're still going to be able to put themselves in a good position. So I, I was encouraged by that. Well, um, God forbid David Poshnok score that empty netter. I mean, that's just – that's uncool. Can't do that. I'm hey, Marshan gave it up to him. Marshan could have tried and scored that one, but he wanted to set up his guy, you know? Like, get him another 60 this year. Why not? I loved uh, – I loved uh, you and I always love to get into the Felger stuff. I loved that take of, like, why is Felger uh, – Felger. Why is Poshnok on the ice at the end of a game like that? It's like – is that is that really your take from game one? Is that really what you're gonna the hill you're gonna die on? Do I want the guy that's like the dynamic game breaking goal scorer to be on the ice to when the empty the net is empty to try to end the game right then and there? Hmm, yeah, and especially when he's like a decent two way player. Like, yeah, I think I'm gonna do that. You know that like, exactly, especially in this day and age. Like Bergeron's not here anymore. Krejci's not here anymore. Like you're Pasternak is one of their best players. Like he's gonna be on the ice in those situations. Like you need to rewire your brain to like think about it and be like okay he's one of the guys now he's going to be in every situation yeah patrice bergeron not walking through that door david Krejci not walking through that door contrary (laughs) to people in my twitter replies hags being like i think i think Krejci and bergeron are coming back in january oh are they (laughs) well because it's terrific well when bergeron talked to us the other night before the game on wednesday he basically admitted like his body clock is kind of telling him it's it's hockey time and uh you know he's, he's sort of going through that and you know, adjusting to that. And he, but he also said he knew it was going to come and he's, you know, he's figuring it out and he's just going to work his way through it as the season goes on. But it's just a natural, like that guy's been doing this into his entire life, you know, since Forever. he was a kid. Like he's never known what it's like to like not be a hockey player at, at this time of year and to be getting ready for a hockey season. So it's like something totally foreign and different for him. Of course, he's going to, you know, his body's going to feel that way or he's going to start to have pangs like I want to come back. But like, you know, at the end of it all, he said the same thing. I'm at peace with my decision. Uh, I made the right decision. You know, I think physically uh, it, it was going to be really difficult for him to ramp up and be ready. And I think you just got to a point where it just, you know, 
the amount of work he was going to have to put in and how difficult it was going to be on his body physically and also worrying about like it was going to have lasting impacts on him like after his career was over like some yeah. of the injuries that he was playing through i think all that stuff played in along with being a part bigger part of his kids lives driving them to things he's now coaching his son's hockey team like all the stuff that he's always wanted to do personally that he was just too busy to do when he was the captain of an nhl team he's able to do now and i i don't think there's any way he's going to push that stuff aside and be like oh I'm going to jump on the Bruins train and play like at the end of the year and go into the playoffs. And David Krejci like was all smiles the other night, seemed super happy, super at ease, super relaxed. You know, uh, he's talking about running uh, half marathons with his wife down in South Carolina. He's golfing and like he's competing with Chara on the marathons. Well, he said he wasn't going to do that. <laughs> he was like, I'm curious what my time would be in the half marathon. He's like, but I'm nowhere near Chara territory. He's, <laughs> out, he's going out and running crazy marathons. So like, but like those guys both to me, it, they seemed happy when I was talking to them. Like they're okay with yeah. not being NHL players anymore. And like, I think fans need to wrap around and it. You know, I don't have it in front of me, the quote, but uh, I actually talked to Lucic about this and it was part of the Substack column I wrote today of the Bruins are turning the page on Bergeron and Krejci was Lucic was like, you know, we've talked a lot in this pre- preseason about the guys that aren't here and the players that aren't here anymore. It's time to focus on everybody that's in the room, the players that are here and the players we're going out to battle with, like to start the season. And I thought it was the perfect time to say that. And it was absolutely right that the the season opener with Krejci and Bergeron, not there up in the stands, cheering the team on and them going out and winning was the perfect time to turn the page on the past and those players that retired and focus on what we have now with the Boston Bruins moving forward for the year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, and, and the other thing is, like, I don't think this would have ever happened to Bergeron because I think he – obviously he has a good idea of his own body. But yep. if he came back this year and it did take him a while to ramp up and he wasn't the same player and it's like, ah, uh, when it, you know, like, you know, David Ortiz ended his career, perfect time, right? Yep. Like went out with like 40 home runs, perfect. Whereas you see a lot of guys, uh, you know – overextend their stay and they sort of start to fall off. And it would have been really bad to see that again. I don't think that would have happened to him, No, but you know, as he mentioned, you know, um, having to sort of ramp up his body and stuff and it would have been a little tougher. So I, you know, as you said, those guys seem very at peace. Um, good for them. Incredible careers made the all centennial team. I just yes. watched that this afternoon. Did you watch debates. it? I did. I watched the whole thing. What'd you think? Um, well, I thought it was really uncool when you went over to Ty Anderson and slammed his head into his laptop. <laughs> I thought that was over over Brad Park. I thought that I, was, I was really like, offensive. I was like, stop trying to get Roy Conacher on the all uh, Centennial team, you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> nerd, you know. Uh, I thought that was great when they were like, does anyone have an ar- 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 argument for Roy Conacher? And Ty was like, yeah, when I see him up with those names, just – Maybe maybe that wasn't the perfect fit. You know? No, I, what I told Ty afterwards, and I, I don't remember if I actually said it during, during the debate or if I said it afterwards, I appreciated he contributed the deep cut to the discussion. You, that was in there. That yeah, was that, in he, there. he went that for one of the Bruins' deep cuts and tried to throw him in there, and I appreciate yes. it. I thought that was good. That was good. No, it was great, though. And, I, and you know what's funny? Like, um, it was a cool history lesson for me because I was not – obviously, I was not a part of the, the voting or anything, so I yeah. did not do the deep dives on – um, some of the older generational players, I imagine for you, it was really cool too. like, just to go back and compare the errors. I was saying this to Connor and poke the bear. Like it's, it, it and especially like in net, the goaltending discussion was, yeah, the most it was interesting it was because it's impossible because you're comparing the Cheevers era with Brimsack's era and yeah. tiny Thompson and Raskin Thomas. And like, 
Tiny Paul different had four Vesna trophies and he didn't make the all centennial team. Like I know. Crazy whole fame goalie <laughs> Nuts. with four Vesnas and he didn't make it. Like, and that's why when I hear the people complain about Thomas and Rask getting snubbed, I'm like, no, Tiny Thompson got snubbed. Like he was Who one were of your the two initially. Um the initial initially, I think I was going with I who did I have? I had Tiny Thompson. I want to say Bremsek. I think I went tr- totally old school with mm-hmm. the two that I picked. Like I, I really want to get Tim Thomas in there because um, I, I still feel like that was the best season an NHL goalie has put up all time ever. That mm-hmm. 2011 season, like he should have been the Hart Trophy winner that season. Um, you know, I, he was just on another planet. And I, when you look at the numbers, when you look at his performances that entire year, beginning to end. Like he, I think that's the best season a goalie's ever put up in the history of the game. Like, so that deserves serious consideration, um, obviously. And he had two Vesna trophies and, you know, he, he had a good career, even if it was truncated because he didn't, you know, get to the NHL until he was in his thirties. Um, and you know, by the end it was, you know, he was kind of going from team to team a little bit. Um, but you know, I thought he definitely deserved consideration for the season he had. But like, when you look at the body of work, um, I just don't think it's stacked up with the other guys, you know, Brimsek and Cheevers both had two Stanley cups, hall of fame careers, like Cheevers individually wasn't as dominant as some of the other players, but I think he was kind of the uh, um, Grant Fjord sort of, of those Bruins teams that won the cup, you know, like statistically he wasn't the best goalie out there, but like, I don't know if you can totally value what he did on statistics. I think he was a great clutch goaltender, a winning goaltender when you need it to be. And there's something to be said for that. And, and Tuca was kind of the opposite of Tim Thomas. Yes. Where he had the career wins. He had the numbers. There's no question about it. The, but he, the didn't longevity. Have a cup. he didn't have a cup. You know, he wasn't yeah. able to – he got to two Stanley Cup finals and he wasn't able to help them get over the hump. Whereas Tim Thomas threw shutouts in game seven of the Eastern Conference final and the, the Stanley Cup final – uh, during 2011 when they won. Like, he slammed the door and made sure they were not going to lose that uh, those games because he didn't allow a single goal in either one of those games. You can't say the same about Game 7s with Tuka Rask when, when everything was on the line. Um, so, you know, if, I understand the argument people are making that, like, he had this great career and longevity and everything else, and I love Tuka personally, but I just don't think you can look at guys that have Hall of Fame credentials – uh, multiple Stanley Cups, multiple Vesnas, and say, no, I'm going to take Tuca with one Vesna and two Stanley Cup final appearances uh, over them, you know? Yeah, it's funny. When I first looked at the the list on Thursday night when it came out, and I was like, oh, no Rask or Thomas. You know, you'd think maybe one would make it, Rask, with all the, uh, you know, uh, franchise accolades and Thomas yeah. with that great run. And But then you do dive deeper into it, and you look at Cheevers' impact and Brimsack's impact and Tiny Thompson's impact, and it's like, Oh wow! Like it's it, and it's different, you know. It's 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 a huge discussion, and that's why I mean it was so close because it came down to uh, Tim Thomas and Jerry Cheevers for that yep. last spot. Yep. Um. So I, you know, like I can't pick two out of that. I can't. I mean, yeah. I like when you really look at it. I think I think you know Brimsack was correct. I think again the Cheevers one is up for discussion. You know, just is it. Uh, you know, do you value how much Orr had an impact on Cheevers and his yeah, good yeah, play yeah. and and all those things? And, you know, and like Thomas has a, a valid uh, thing to be on there. Rask does. Thomas, the only thing against him, I think, is just the, you know, I know obviously he came to the NHL late, but it just wasn't here super long. And I think, right. you know, that's sort of the thing against him. And then 
Rask. I mean, if Rask ha- if they win it in 19, like Rask is on the all centennial team, right? Yeah, like I, I would so. assume if so. He, yeah. If he had a cup, I think he would have made it. Yeah. If they had won yeah. in 2019, I think so. And, and, but that's like, you know, that when you define greatness or legends, like you have to win, you have to win, yeah. you know, to truly be a legend, to truly be great. And to be considered, especially uh, side by side against players that have won multiple cups, you have to win at least one. Because think about all the like I, when I was watching it, there were a lot of forwards in D that were put up there that had real that that were with the Bruins for you know even four, five, six years who had really good, strong seasons here. Like an Adam Oates was Adam Oates, yeah, was was up for it, yeah, and you know. It was well. No, he's he wasn't here long enough. Whereas Thomas is different because Thomas won a cup and Thomas carried them to yep. a cup, where it just means more. I mean, he was only here from what oh six through was it or oh five through uh, twenty twelve. Yeah, that was his last year. So yep. you know, really six, I think six or seven seasons in there. Yeah, and but again, the impact is forever because of that cup. And then you could someone made the point on the in the. Uh, in the recording that, you know, Krejci, Marshan, Bergeron, Chara are mainly on that all centennial team because of what Thomas did and what Thomas was able to do. I think Bergeron and Chara make it without question if there was no cup. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the other two, I think it's closer if they don't have one. Maybe, but like those Marshan and Bergeron, Marshan and uh, Krejci are both top 10 Bruins yes. I mean, scoring yes. goals, yep. like everything. Oh, yeah. Like they've got the credentials too. So it's like, you know, and and I know I think it was Emily Benjamin was talking about recency bias uh, when we were discussing the you know the whole thing, and it's like, and we you know what we said in the the meeting. I'm sure it's in the video. Is like this is one of the golden eras of the Boston Bruins. Like it's not a bias. It's like this is one of the great eras. So you have to recognize all these players. It's been almost the, twenty years from these eras. Yeah, where they're making the playoffs every year. They've been to the Stanley Cup Finals multiple times. Like you know, the, a centennial team is going to be filled with the players from the best eras where they won the cups and the the teams that were you know uber successful. And then that's exactly what's going on um, with the the group that's on there now. And I think every single player, the only one that I think there's a, any kind of a legitimate debate on is Pasternak being on there because it's just too soon. He's mid-career right now. And has he has he stacked up enough, you know, to be on there instead of, like, going um, uh, Cooney Weiland was one, I know, that was uh, a strong consideration, an old-time player, you know, that had a, had a great career. Um, did he deserve it over a guy like that that's a Hall of Famer or that's one of the old-time best players uh, of all time? And You know, Lionel Hitchman was another one that was really difficult to, uh, yes. to keep off because he was a defenseman that has his number retired and is in the Hall of Fame too. So, like, you know, there was a few players like that that I think those were the ones that honestly nobody's going to argue for them because they played, like, a zillion years ago and, like, <laughs> fans aren't as passionate about it right now. But, like... If anybody's going to have a gripe about being bumped or, uh, you know, like not uh, being snubbed, it would be Lionel Hitchman and, and you know, Cooney Weiland and those kind of guys. It wouldn't be the goaltending, which, you know, I, I think we, no matter which way you go, you're going to have two great choices. Yeah, I'm almost surprised they did. I, I get why they went 12-6-2, but you could have made an argument for 12-6-3, right. I guess. It would have been really wanted. could have had a third goalie for sure. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Is like, do you want to have a third goalie? But I'm happy with how it turned out. Uh, it was really compelling to watch, um, just from the perspective of, 
kind of seeing how every decision was made. There were obviously ones that were not obvious. I was surprised Martian went up for future consideration. Um, I was too. I, when, I, when I nominated him, I was, I think it was Emily that did, that said that. Yes. Matt Porter. And I was looking at both of them like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. I was surprised at that. Consider this more like he's a slam dunk, just like Bergeron is. Yeah. I, I Bergeron a little more. Um, but yeah, Mar, you know, Marchand is right there. And yeah, I was surprised that he was, and he, he went off the board quick though. I mean, he was not yeah. on there for very long, Yeah, uh, but yeah, heck of a, heck of a performance by all of you. Yeah, it was, it was fun. We had a really good time. Uh, shout out to the Bruins for putting that together. I think everything that they've done with the centennial has been great. And like, I'm not surprised. And I was saying this to somebody the other night, like they're an original six organization that gets it. And they do all the, the pomp and circumstance things and these kind of, uh, you know, big milestone historic moments. They do them right, just like the Montreal Canadiens do. When you go up there for any kind of a ceremony, you know you're in for something special because they get out all the legends and everybody comes and it's like they they do it with a lot of class and dignity and, and you know, the, the, the respect that it deserves. And it, it's pretty cool to be a part of it too and to, you know, see the inner workings of it. But I... It was privileged and honored to be a part of that committee, and I thank the Bruins for for including me and everybody else uh, that was on it. All right, let, we're going to get to a little mailbag. Uh, we're we're going to zoom through this pretty quick, Evan. All right, let's do uh, it. And, and some of these are things that we've already covered, so we can just breeze through them. Um, Aldred224 says, Brimsek over Thomas Rask or Thompson is kind of nuts. All right, I don't think so. Brimsek's a legend, so I don't think it's nuts at all. Yeah, br- br- the more I think about Brimsek, the more he does deserve that number It's one a no-brainer. Spot. Come on. Yeah. Um, Without Tim Thomas, they haven't won a cup since 1972. He should have been unanimous from Ryan J. 7,800. Like, I, you know, I would have loved to have seen Tim Thomas on there. You know, I would have loved to have seen it. But like I said, like, I just don't think when you compare him to – I don't. he's not going to end up, I don't think, being in the Hall of Fame uh, because his career wasn't no. long enough. You know, and he's right there because he's a great story and he's, you know, was a dominant goalie for four or five years. Um, one, two Vezna has won the cup, but like, I, you know, you can't, comp- you can't put them in over guys that are in the hall of fame, had great careers in their eras and won multiple Vesnas and multiple cups and everything. Multiple else. cups. I, it what like, obviously, yes, we all value the 2011 cup more than any other cup because it was the one, like, that's the only cup I've been alive for. It was special to me. It's a big deal for me. But there were more before, and I yes. think you have to take those into consideration. All right, uh, and this is my favorite, this knucklehead right here. You've never ever you've never even seen tiny thompson's play yet you would have had him on your al centennial team comments like this just make being named to the team a moot point anyway and my my response to this uh, this m hands nine doofus was like i didn't see bobby or play alive i was not alive to see bobby or play i was not old enough to remember bobby or playing should i not vote him on the all centennial team or nominate <laughs> him because i did not see him play no that's such a stupid point. I'm not even going to like address it anymore, but I wanted, <laughs> I, I wanted to com- include him in here just to kick him around a little bit. Dumbass. I can't talk about anybody like pre 2000, I can't talk about anybody. Yeah. Oh, you can't even talk about Cam Neely, right? Like, nope, can't do it. Uh, Ray Bork can't do that either. Said, do you oh, not, do you really not remember Cam Neely? Did we use that before your time? I mean, I was born in 99, so. Holy crap, dude. Yeah, wow. I mean, what, what you, you are want? young, I man. I know. I, what do you want me to do? I don't, wow. remember, I don't remember Cam Neely playing at all. I've seen videos, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, it's before they, my time. It was quite a spectacle to behold, Evan, let me tell you. I mean, you're, you know, your kids were born, like, around 2011. So they're like, you're going to be like, do you remember Tim Thomas? Your son will be like, yeah. who's that? No, we got, like, it was 2013, uh, like, two months after they, they were in the cup final against Blackhawks. So he has no... 
he's not been alive for a Stanley Cup win. You know, he's like he can't uh, talk. He, you know, God forbid you ever talk about Rich Peverly, Chris Kelly, Mark Recchi. Can't talk no, about him. Can't no, talk about him. I will tell you though, he's like I. I'm proud of him because he's developing like an appreciation for the history of the game. Like, I don't know how this happened. I don't know what happened to make this happen. But I am super grateful that it happened. Bobby Orr started following me on Twitter the other day. Oh geez! And, like I was like, this is freaking awesome. And the first thing I said to Finn was, guess who's following me now on Twitter and is going to see your hockey videos when I post them of you scoring goals? I'm like, Bobby friggin' Orr. And he was like, oh, my God. He was like psyched. He was like running around the house fist pumping. So thank well, you, Bobby. Well, that's very you, sick. You made Finn's day. And uh, I still am hoping, uh, Bobby, someday that when I'm with you at one of these events, I can just call my dad on the phone, hand the phone over to you, and you can talk to him for like five minutes because he is you are his hero. So shout out Bobby Orr. Thanks for following me on Twitter. I appreciate it. That's um, awesome. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, Matt Lombo 24 says Thomas felt like an obvious consideration, but not here long enough. Rask, I'm surprised wasn't in franchise leaders leader in many categories, led them to two cup final, both seasons with numbers similar to 2011 Thomas, but ring counting is always going to hang over him. That is exactly right. Lombo 20, Matt Lombo 24. Uh, great observation. Um, Next, I wonder if TNT even knew this kid's name, talking about Matt Patra, because all that <laughs> was said was Connor this, Connor that. I called his number number 51 the minute I saw him on the ice. I knew he would be amazing. Congrats, Patra, from Maria Gonzalez on Facebook. And I heard multiple complaints about this on Twitter, that TNT was going gaga crazy over Connor Bedard and, like, not mentioning – like, he whistled one over the crossbar – uh, on a shot from the high slot, didn't even hit the net, and they were just going nuts about how great he was. Kenny Albert's legs went like <laughs> little jiggly, you know. He's like, "Whoa, you know." Uh, I what I love is, uh, you know, I saw an Instagram post today for or Friday from um, the Open Ice account, and it was like, you know, the National Connor Bedard tour, and it was every national game he had, and all the comments were like, "This, I'm so sick of this. This is so stupid. All this stuff." And you feel bad because it's not the kid's fault. Like, no. like Bedard's not asking for any of this. That's why Martian. Had the perfect response there. He was like, yeah, I leave that, that kind of guy alone. So, yep. yeah, I mean, it's – I obviously, I didn't watch the TNT broadcast the other night. I didn't I either. I was you, at the game, but, yeah. But, yeah, I didn't hear great things about it. I lo- I'm a TNT over ESPN guy. I, think I am TNT too. does a phenomenal job. I think they, guys- they both do a great job, but I appreciate, like, the personality that Biz and the guys in the studio do with the TNT uh, studio show. I think they do it right. Yeah, t- I think TNT uh, laps ESPN. Right now, at least. So we'll see. Uh, PK is bringing something, though. I'm actually yes. interested to see what PK has to say. So I think they've got like a budding star at ESPN, too, that's got some personality. And like, I, I don't know if you saw this the other day, but Pat McAfee did like a segment on his show on the NHL. I heard about this. The NHL is awesome or whatever. It was like a seven minute segment. Watch it. It was great. And like, the, the more guys like Biz and PK and Pat McAfee that have personality, that can yes. tell the game and make it fun and interesting, the better. Because I'm telling you right now, like Finn, my son, loves Biz. He loves watching TNT. He loves Biz's like love affair with the Maple Leafs and like all the stuff that he does uh, that's fun in the studio. And that's what it's about. It's not about us and what we think. It's about like what the kids think and what they're entertained by and what's going to draw them and make them love hockey. And guys like Biz Boom. and Pat McAfee are all about it. So, uh, you know. The, the other thing is, yeah, and it is, I don't want to go on too far of a tangent with this, but like ESPN to me, uh, you know, you they, they just have too much 
they have so much. So a lot of their coverage yeah. of events is very uniform. It's the same desk, three people, yeah. person, one speaks, two speaks, three speaks. And it's just, you know, they don't put it. There's not a lot of creativity in things because there's just too many things there. When yeah. I was at NCAA, I mean, they have like every sport. It's all covered the same. In my opinion, I'm, you know, I'm not the be all end all. But I agree. It comes down to what the kids want and personality drives everything. It always does. Always does. You got to make it fun and at any level, any sport. Um, Lucic played a great role. Nobody went to the corners when his line was on the ice. He made many nice passes and the skating was possibly the best part of his game. I don't, all right. I'm not going to go that far. I, thought I won't either. It was adequate. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely where it needed to be. And I thought he's in very good shape in this camp and it showed like he's able to keep up. That's all you want to ask out of him. Agreed. Um, Agreed. He has a couple more years possibly. He looked really good out there and could play on any line during the game. I would think line four will open many games. The uh, the Bruiser Costa uh, on Facebook. Yeah, I, I think uh, Jim Montgomery likes to open the games with the fourth line and start them uh, energy line a lot. Like I... I personally really like the way Jim Montgomery coaches because he involves everybody. He's like the, um, the, the prototypical hockey coach that makes sure everybody's involved, doesn't want anybody to be a healthy scratch for too long and make sure, make sure that they play. Is that um, Bobby Orr? No, that was actually John <laughs> Zanis. I wish it was Bobby Orr. Uh, I mean, make sure everybody plays and nobody sits up in the press box for too long. Make sure the fourth line feels like they're, uh, they're important and invested. Make sure the bottom pairing gets involved. Uh, make sure guys play enough minutes where they don't feel like they're just sitting there as being grocery sticks, as Brad Marchand calls them on the bench when he trashed yes. uh, <laughs> guys that don't play. Like, like I love that Montgomery does that kind of stuff because I think it brings everybody together and it creates that team environment that you're always looking for. Uh, on any hockey team, and I think he does that in an incredibly good way. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think it's good. Uh, fourth line was solid. Um, I'm curious to see what their usage is against you know your Hurricanes, your Maple Leafs, those teams, how they fare against them. You know, I I remember you know with Cassidy that fourth line was sort of a shutdown line of you know can, you know the Corrali line. Can they shut down the other team's top line? I I don't know if Beecher Lauko and and Lucic are gonna do that. They might, you know, I feel like they're more going to be an energy line for check yeah. the hell out of the team, you know, put them through the glass, get some energy going, which is great. Um, but I'm curious to see what they look like against better teams. That's my big thing with them. Yeah, for sure. And I think it'll be they may get better defensively as the season goes on too. they're young players like Beecher, I think. And, and Lauko both have the tools to be very good defensive forwards. Um, yeah. So I think that's something they could grow into. I know talking to Lauko. Uh, he really wants to get more involved on the PK this year and get more minutes penalty killing. And I think his his grit, his speed, and the, the tenaciousness that he plays with, and his ability to every once in a while pop a shorthanded goal and be you know a threat offensively, make could make him a very very good penalty killer. So that could help him uh, generate uh, more in that direction too. Um, that'll be interesting. Um, a work in progress. Maybe this year it'll be the other way around where they get a wild card instead of being the president's trophy winner and make it to the Eastern conference finals from Steven Gilman. And maybe, you know what? I, I, and look, look at the Florida Panthers last year, right? They were the president's trophy the year before last year. They barely got in as the wild card, the last seed. And then they make it all the way to the finals because they were good and healthy at the right time of the year. Um, I, I don't, like foresee that for the Boston Bruins. I don't see them going that far. I think, you know, they're going to make the playoffs as a wild card and maybe like a one round, two round thing just this year as they transition. But like, you know, obviously anybody would love to see a long run from a team that they're covering. 
Yeah, I, I have them third place in the Atlantic out in the first round. That's what I've got. So I hope yep. I'm wrong. I hope they go deep. I hope it's great for it's great content for us. Makes our lives easier. Um, but and but you know what? I think even if they're out in the first round, with the development of Patra, potentially Lowry, Beecher, um, they're headed in the right direction. Yep. So I don't think that's a bad thing. Hundred percent agree. All right, we're gonna end with this one, Evan. Um, ooh, hold on. Proud and honored to know and have skated some with him. Tim Thomas is a good man. He came out of our area. This must be somebody from Michigan, from Flint. The mm. summer pickup games, the travel program, and the high school program in this area. I taught a beginner skater program for adults at our local rink. And during summers, he would often skate on the ice just after my class finished. Now, he's out on the ice alone, skating and moving, doing the things he felt he needed to do to prepare for the upcoming training camps and tryouts and the like. And my student skaters would stand there in awe of how good that guy on the ice could skate and move wearing all that goalie gear. And they'd ask me, who is that guy? And I'd tell them his name. And if they knew his name, well, you could see it on their faces. All of us here send our support to him and his family because he is still part of our hockey family. And that's from Michael Crane on Facebook. That's a cool little um, snapshot into who Tim Thomas is. And, like, it was great to see him. Uh, come back to the garden. It's great to see him get an ovation that he uh, desperately or sorely needed, like deserved um, before the game started. I think that was, he had earned that uh, ovation a long time ago and it was nice to be able to see him get that. Um, so like it's, I mean, there's a million stories about him like that, uh, just overcoming the odds and, you know, being a guy that was working himself uh, to exhaustion to, to try to make it and hang on to it once he did get there. And he, he did it and it was cool to see him kind of say that like, you know, he's a day-to-day guy and he doesn't think about the stuff that he's accomplished, but like nights, weeks like this, where they do the centennial kinds of reminds him of like how great he was and the things that he accomplished and the great things that he did on the ice. So, uh, you know, that's what that this centennial stuff is all about. It's so cool. Like the amount, like you and a lot of the other writers, you know, who covered that 2011 era team. It's so cool. The amount of cool personalities, Oh yeah, uh, you know, big stories that came out of that. Thomas, Lucic, yep. Recky, Marshand kind of coming into his own. Like it's just there's so many like stories I hear from you guys and stuff and and Thomas is always one of the top ones. So it's really cool to hear that and that's a cool way to end. I like that. That's a, that's an awesome story. Yes. And in, in addition to that, we're also going to end with thank you FanDuel Sportsbook. Yes. Uh, our, our sponsor right now, customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. And obviously, you know, continue to bet uh, on the Patriots to lose. I think that's the sure <laughs> bet right now. But now that hockey season is here, you got to dip your toes into the hockey betting too. Like, get it going at FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, go to FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick it off right now that the NHL season is here. Maybe you can do a prop bet on how many times TNT is going to mention Connor Bedard in a game that he plays. Ooh, that'd be an awesome prop bet. You, you like that one? And uh, let's also thank uh, Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Uh, meals ready in two minutes. Healthy, chef-made. Um, really delicious stuff. Uh, I, I've gotten a bunch of them for lunch and you just pop them in and your lunch is ready uh, in two minutes. They're great to have when you have kids that you're driving all over the place or going to pick them up at school. So in this busy fall season that the, we're, we're in, go to factormeals.com uh, and order up some meals. Uh, Evan Marinovsky, thank you very much for joining me this week, my friend. Of course. Always a pleasure. All right. We're going to do this again a couple times next week. We're now up to two 
Pucks, pucks with Hags episodes a week uh, on the podcast, starting now that the season's gotten going. So double the pleasure, double the fun, double the Pucks with Hags. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you at the ring.